If you've got a Bible, let's open it today to the book of Romans or on the screen. Romans chapter 7. I know it's going to start with Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, but we're going to get there. Uh, Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. Romans 7, 18. I'm in a series called Warfare, and I want to point out something to you. It's very interesting here. The Apostle Paul, of course, is talking about here about uh, warfare as far as in the flesh, but he also, through the book of Romans, chapter 6, 7, 8, and even chapter 9, and moves through the entire book. He talks about how in the, in the Old Covenant, uh, how the law, uh, people believed that the law was the answer, but it was never the answer as far as, you know, you and I being able to be perfect in the Lord. Jesus is, of course, the answer. And, and of course, rules and regulations will never get you into the presence of God, but a personal relationship with the Lord. But he brings out something that's powerful here, talking about this warfare that we have with the flesh. I don't know about you, but there's two enemy, uh, two enemies coming against each other. There's the enemy, of course, that's our flesh and the enemy of this world. But there, there's this spirit man that's on, on the inside of you and I as a born-again believer. And that spirit man is a powerful part of your life being successful and understanding who you are. Notice what it says in verse 18. It says this in, in Romans 7, For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells, for I will to... For to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good I do not know. Notice verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do, do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Hello. There's this war going on. Notice what it says in verse 20. Now if I, now if I do what I will not, let me get this right. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin, but sin that dwells in me, this nature that is coming against him. Verse 21. I find then a law, and we're going to discover what that law is, that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. Watch this in verse 22. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, this born-again person. But I see another law in my members, warring. Everybody say warring. So notice this warfare going back and forth between uh, the spirit versus the flesh. And he says, this warring against the law of my mind. Notice where the attack is. It's not against your actual body. It's against your what? Your mind. And he says, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he cries out in verse 20. He said, oh, wretched man, or who am I? Uh, he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me or deliver this body from death? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then Notice chapter 8. Chapter 8, chapter 7 to chapter 8, there is no, you know, there is no space there when they originally wrote this, but, you know, the translators did this. So we go from verse 25 right into chapter 8 or into this next verse. He says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but what? According to the Spirit. Now notice verse 2, ladies and gentlemen. Watch this quickly. The law of the Spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the laws of sin and death. So notice this war here, this warfare, this pull between your flesh and this pull against your spirit. And what does he say? There's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ who walk according to the, the spirit. But if you walk according to the flesh, there is this condemning. There is this warfare. There is this horrible sense of the fact that, man, I don't think I can control this, but you can. And if you'll give me just a couple of minutes, I'm going to show you how to win this battle. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, or I'm going to be reading this out of the, um, out of the uh, Passion Translation. And so notice this in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5, or Galatians 5 verse 20, uh, verse 16. 
uh, if you'll put that on the screen, um, the Passion Tribe, the, the Passion Tribe, the Passion Translation uh, is just like any other translation. And by the way, some translations are, are good. I mean, you don't need to be using the Quran or something like that. <laughs> but every translation has its, you know, something to offer this unique. You just have to get a, a version, again, that makes sense to you, that has a rhythm to it, that has a communication and a connection point to you. I understand, you know, some people, of course, in tradition say that, you know, the King James is the only version out there. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it was written in 1611. I heard a man say recently, if it was good enough for the apostle, Paul is good enough for me. No, that Paul wasn't around in 1611. That was prior to that time. But the King James is good because it's rhythmic in its translation. It has a rhythm to it. And, uh, but you know, God doesn't speak in thousand these now. Okay. And you want to find an English version that's, you know, helps you to understand as close to the Greek and the Hebrews, you know, you can as far as without being a Greek or Hebrew scholar or taking Greek and Hebrew. But notice what it says here in Galatians chapter 5. And that's my two cents about translations because a lot of people get hung up on the fact of what translation should I use? I use them all. I mean, I look at different versions, different ways, especially, you know, with technology. Now you take your iPhone or iPad and look up different ways and seeing it and uh, trying to understand it, uh, especially verses on, you know, concerning fear, concerning walking in the love of God, walking in the peace of God, especially walking in the uh, the joy of the Lord. There's so many great verses in the book of Psalms, and the Passion Translation does a good job with that. Notice what it says here. This is in um, Galatians 5. Watch this. Galatians 5, beginning in verse number 16. Again, he's in the, in the first part of this chapter, he's talking about, you know, this warfare or you allow me to say it, this uh, pulling that people have about the law or practicing, you know, religious things, saying that, you know, to have peace with God is about what you do. Well, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are, right? And when who you are is greater than what you do, then you have peace with God and you have power. And notice what it says here. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. Uh, and, And again, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, let me emphasize this as you yield to the dynamic life life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Notice this. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you will hinder, hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. Watch this. So then these two, watch this, notice what it says. So then two, so then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are, watch this. It says your self-life of the flesh and your new creation life in the Spirit, verse number 19, or verse 18. But when you yield to the life of the Holy Spirit, you'll no longer be living under the law, but you'll be soaring above it. Now watch this. It begins to break it down here in verse number 19. And I like this version. And again, this is this is the flesh and all its pull towards you and I. It says the behavior of the self-life is obvious. And notice what it says. It says it's sexual immorality. It says lustful thoughts. It uses the word pornography in here, chasing after things instead of God. Manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments and resentments, resentment when others are favored. It says temper tantrums, hello, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessing of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other behavior. It sounds like Washington, D.C., does it not? <laughs> so, notice that that's the flesh, it's out of control. And uh, again, I like what it's saying here. So there's basically from what I came up there, came up with, there's 14 things that are warring against you. That's a lot of things, is it not? 
And it, all these forces are pulling against you and I. And remember what I said previously, it's not a sin to be tempted, it's a sin to yield to temptation, okay? And again, when you're isolated, when you're alone, when you're dealing with self-pity, when you're dealing with, you know, other influences of people trying to pull you down and pull you away and, and strengthening your flesh instead of the spirit man within you, then these things are going to begin to dominate you. And you'll get trapped into these things. As a matter of fact, let's break those things down. If you got on the screen, if you could show that, I've listed the battles of the flesh, uh, the 14, if you could show that real quickly. Uh, there we go. Thank you so much. Here they are as far as what was listed. You know, again, there's things you think that are the obvious, which are the, the sexual things. But notice what it says right here. It says sexual immortality, immorality, lustful thinking and actions. Does that mean sexual? No, that could mean a lot of things. That could mean even out of control concerning food. Hello? I mean, seriously, I, I, I don't know about I confess to you, I don't have this problem anymore. But maybe nobody in this church has this problem. Nobody watching me has this problem. But, you know, I really enjoyed coffee to the point where I felt like it was a borderline addiction. You know, we say that nicotine is addiction. We say that uh, nicotine, you know, the, the teens are ad addictive. But, you know, there's caffeine also. And, and please, I'm not here against coffee. I'm just saying, anything that you, well, how do I say it like this? If your energy, your energy should be in the Lord, not in that drink, right? And I was on a, I was on a plane coming back from New York, uh, speaking in a church up there, a dear friend of mine, and, uh, who worked on the Wall Street Exchange. And I'll never forget, the Lord really dealt with me about it. I was coming back on a flight, and uh, he called it a lust after caffeine. That's to me now, Okay. And that he wanted me to have my strength in him, not in that drink. Okay? And please, that's just an opinion. I'm saying, again, chasing after things that are instead of God. You know, chasing after the dream of being, I want to, you know, I've, just, I've got to have this money. I've got to have this house. I've got to have this. Those things are fine. But, you know, you can only wear so many pairs of shoes. You can only wear so many, you know, pairs of clothes. Uh, you can drive only so many pairs of cars. I mean, manipulating others, hatred to, of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment, resentment when others are favored. You ever find yourself jealous of someone else? Oh, I see this all the time with people that I grow up. Man, Lord, they're comparing themselves all the time. You know, what school did you go to? What kind of house you have? What kind of car you drive? And then again, and notice what it says, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself. Look at verse 11, being in love with your own opinions. <laughs> is that a work of the flesh? Well, it is to a certain degree when you never, again, have you ever been around someone that never lets you talk about yourself? They always talk about themselves. Hello? You know? It amazes me sometimes, and I, Sheila and I do it for fun, how many times somebody will ask us how we're doing, you know, how are you doing, Pastor Brian? It's always, they come up to me, and like, you, man, I could be going through all kinds of stuff, I'm not showing it, and I'm not saying it, but man, you're ready to dump on me, I mean, life's crisis, counseling, 9111, oh, and by the end, I said, oh, I hope you're doing good, Pastor Brian. <laughs> I am, to go after you just threw up all over me, you know, emotionally. Yeah, I'm doing all right. And so uh, anyway, it's, it's funny. I love people. I love you all, okay? But, you know, I do, you know, we go through things. And, you know, again, I'm just moving right along, okay? I know nobody does that in here. Anyway, I love you all. Being envious of the blessing of others, murder or destroying others. You say, Brian, you're talking about killing? No, I'm talking about murdering people by cutting them down. 
you know, you can hate somebody without killing them. Hello? I mean, you could just be the point where, you know what, I just can't stand that person. You know, that person just whatever, da, 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 da. And using the power of your words. Anyway, uncontrolled addictions. Notice the next ones. Or is that it? I think there's only 14. Yeah, there's only 14 here. Anyway, but I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, these things, these fleshly things connected to your words can destroy your life and suppress your spirit. They can destroy you to the point where it controls you instead of you controlling it. But I've got good news. Everybody say good news. There's good news that the spirit person is more powerful than all these things. Yes, if you yield to those things, they're going to get you into a place of torment. They're going to get you into a place of destructive behavior. They're going to get you to a place where it could absolutely destroy you, spirit, soul, and body. But notice what it says here in Galatians. Let's go to Galatians 5, beginning in verse number. Notice what it says here in verse 22. Verse 22, watch this. It says, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit, as in divine love, in all its very expressions, is these following things. It's a, it's, a, it's a supernatural love. It's a joy that overflows. It's a peace that subdues, a patience that endures, kindness in action, life full of virtue or goodness. It says, a faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength or spirit or self-control. These are spiritual forces. And if you'll put that outline up, please. Thank you. Notice what I've done here with this outline is we outline the fruit of the Spirit. This, this is good. Uh, well, there we go. It says this. There's nine of these. And again, the, the last one is more of uh, the fact of, it says strength of spirit, but most translators translate it as self-control. I sort of like self-control because I want to be in control of myself, not myself in control of me, right? But notice what it says, love and all its varied expressions. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? Well, love is an unfailing force. And I'm not talking about just the love between a man and a woman. I'm talking about the love of God in you towards people, towards the fact that you believe the best of someone. Number two, it says joy that overflows. What a missing thing. People need to have not happiness, but joy. A joy. You know, I have never met Jesus Christ. I have never seen him face to face yet. But I have a joy of knowing that my life, my future, my hope, my everything is in him. And the joy of what he did for me you know, I know that there's a, this is a church family that loves me dearly, and I love y'all dearly. But Jesus gave the ultimate love for me and gave the ultimate love for you. And that is just something I'm so thankful for. I mean, when I see him, that's what I want to give to him is thankfulness. And that comes from what? The, the spirit person and this peace and this patience. You know, the older I get, the more patient I get. <laughs> I really do. I get more, I am more settled in the fact that I am more patient. Coach Nick Saban, the University of Alabama, who's considered to be one of the most successful coaches really in the collegiate as well as in the professional sports with the most, you know, championships. Uh, one of the things he said the other day in the interview, he said, even though I strive and continue to press towards excellence in what I do in the, in the, in the business I'm in, he said that one thing that I, I want to be marked for is patience. Patience with young men, patience with the people that work around me, that yes, we want to win, yes, we want to be successful, but at the same time, we want to live day to day, not enduring it, but enjoying it. I thought that was a great statement, and that applies to you and I. Notice what it says, and it really ties into the fifth one, kindness. Everybody say kindness. 
kindness is something, you know, it's not just something that we do. It's, it's something that should flow out of us. And you say, well, Pastor Brian, that person's not kind to me. It has nothing to do with you. If you sow kindness, I guarantee you, you're going to reap kindness. It amazes me sometimes where, you know, I continue to be kind towards people and some people will not be kind towards me. At the same time, how I reap that. I was in a phone call this week with a, with a major political person and uh, we go back all the way to traveling in, in Iowa as our relationship goes back in many, many campaigns. But one of the things he said about me, he said, Brian, I, I always appreciate and appreciate your kindness even in the midst of pressure. And I'm telling you what, that's, that's the thing that I want people to know that, you know, I don't care what, how hard it is in life, I'm still going to practice the fruit of the Holy Spirit's kindness. Sometimes to the point where I have to discipline myself not to say anything, hello, or not to post anything, <laughs> or not to react and respond to anything. Anyway, moving right along, a life full of virtue. What's that mean, Pastor Ryan? Well, that talks about goodness, being a person of goodness, Goodness is sometimes not just doing something financially. Goodness is also just the fact that you are good. You know, my, my sister-in-law, Robert's wife, Amy, she constantly compliments me about, about this, about integrity and goodness. And of course, you know, I follow my example, Billy Graham, and, uh, and I appreciate that. But you know, it's something that I feel like when she tells me that it's something that I have to earn every day. But the more I earn it, the better I get at it. And goodness is something that I want people not just to say about me, I want them to see it in me. That I was a good man, not just with what I did physically, but what I said. And I'm not talking about from here what I may say to you. I always want to believe God's best for you. I always want to see, number seven, your faith in God prevail in your life. That you are so strong in faith and not fear that you can overcome anything. And when, yes, you fall, when you mess up, when you make a mistake, I want to be the first one there along with your family, your friends, to exercise the other six to say, hey, you can make it. You can be everything God's called you to be. Because notice what it says. I want to be a person of gentleness, not aggressiveness. You know, two things that always just shied me away from when I was, before I met Sheila about women, was number one, I just, a, a woman that was real, I don't know, brash and always in your face. I mean, they, that didn't scare me. I'm not scared of a woman, but I'm like a woman that did all the talking, you know, just sort of a bear of a woman, you know. <laughs> she could be real pretty, but she could, you know, she, you could tell she was just, you know, just sort of you know, a real aggressive woman. That really, it, I was like, hey, I don't need you. Anyway, and, uh, and of course, a woman that thought that she was pretty, but she wasn't. <laughs> so I'm like, you, you're too whatever. And, uh, and then when I met Sheila, um, I saw a woman that was what? Humble, beautiful, and just the opposite of those things, and those things drew me to her. And I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, that's an attractive thing when you see a gentleness. As a matter of fact, Sheila's doing the very thing that attracted me to her a long time ago, is she was gentle with children. Right now, she's practicing that very thing that I saw in her that made me attracted to her, was the gentleness of how she would take a child and communicate with a child in a way that was on their level. She did, as a matter of fact, when I first saw, the first time I ever saw Sheila, point number eight, I saw her on her knees with a child looking up at a child like that. And that just, I was like, man, this is a beautiful woman. 
This is a gorgeous woman in the fact that she humbled herself and she's looking right into the eye of that child and connecting. I'll tell you what. Well, I got to go. I got to go to see Sheila. <laughs> so, anyway, moving right along. Strength of spirit. Hey, this is the most important one, self-control. Because if you can control yourself, you can control your body. Can you not? Hello now, controlling yourself is very important. You say, Pastor Brian, listen, the Apostle Paul said, I buffet my body. That is not a buffet at the buffet, okay? That means to take a hold of this body and say, listen, I am going to practice discipline. Everybody say discipline. Discipline, the fact that any of those things that I mentioned a while ago, you can say no to. Are these things that are craving? And you say, Pastor Brian, I just can't. Listen, I can't control myself. I got to have this or I got to do that. Listen, I understand that. I understand that. But I want to bring it to, I wouldn't say a conclusion, but I want you to turn to Romans 6 and I want to show you the answer here. Romans chapter 6, notice what it says in verse 1. Romans 6, 1. It says, what shall we continue in, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, verse number 12 is where I want to go to. No, we do not continue in sin. We don't have to yield to these things. And how do you do it, Pastor Brian? What do you practice, Pastor Brian? Well, this is what I do. And literally, I do this every single day. You know, for somebody that says that they've arrived and do not need to practice putting on the armor of God or practice, you know, resisting the flesh and resisting all these things that I mentioned or it's outlined here in Galatians 5. I'm like, woe to you because I'm telling you what, they will get you. But yet at the same time, if you become a stronger you and you become the point to the point where you say, you know what, I'm going to not yield to these things. I'm going to control these things. I'm telling you what, there's a dynamic begins to work in your life. You can enjoy your life again without enduring it. Notice what it says in verse number 12. It says, do not let sin, everybody say, do not let sin. Reign in your mortal body or this law of sin that you should obey it in its lust. Verse number 13, here's the key. It's not just resisting, it's doing something. And boy, I tell you what, I wish I'd had this when I was going to high school. I mean, I don't know about you. I look back in my life, I wouldn't want to turn back time, but I wish I could go back to the 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. Of course, I would not want to go back then. I didn't have any money till the 12th grade, okay? I was broke, basically. But I tell you what, if I knew what I knew now, I could go back in time, I would have, I would have, anyway, praise the Lord, moving right along. I don't want to go back though. I do not want to go back. Share, I know that if I could turn back time, I don't want to turn back time, share. I do not. And you get that later if you figure out who that song is. Okay, verse number 13. Some of you get that about midnight tonight. All right, moving right along. Verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but watch this, present yourselves as unto God. Lord, I belong to you. I, I, listen, I know these things are coming at me but I am not going to feed my mind. I'm not going to feed my spirit on these things. I'm going to feed my mind and feed my spirit on what? Notice what it says. It says, as members, as instruments of, the right, as of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over me, for I'm not under this law of trying to perform my way to a relationship with God. I'm under a covenant of grace that God has given to me through Jesus Christ everything I'll ever need to live this Christian life. And when you get to that place, then 
sin is not, yes, it's a temptation, but it's not a, it's not, temptation's not a sin, okay? Yes, there's, you know, all kinds of temptation out there as far as male, female, whatever your battle may be, but then you're to a place where, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going to yield to that. I'm going to yield to the grace of God. I'm going to yield to the power and the presence of God because as I yield to that, then I get stronger on the inside. And when I get stronger on the inside and on the, 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 the power of God on the inside of me, then I become the best person I can be. And my whole goal is to be the strongest man of God that Jesus has designed for me to be. Not because of you, not because of Sheila or my family, because it pleases God. And in pleasing God, I truly benefit for what Jesus did for me. Oh, let's go on to, uh, notice what it says here in uh, chapter 8 again. Chapter 8, notice what it says in Romans 8. It says, there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ who do not walk according to the flesh. What does that mean, Pastor, about walking toward the, toward the flesh? Entertaining it. If you've got some areas in your life that you know are a temptation, then work on those areas. If it's, if it's whatever it may be, okay? I'm not going to name them all. We know what our battles are. Remember what I've said before. Satan will never, 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 never attack your strength areas. He'll always attack your weak areas, and he'll always attack you when? When you're at your what? Your weakest, okay? He doesn't come knocking on the door necessarily while you're in here. He waits till you're alone at night. He waits till some self-pity builds up and the dog got mad at you, or the cat got mad at you, or your spouse got mad at you, or you had a this, that, or that problem at work, and all of a sudden you get in this self-pity mode. Then what happens? These voices come knocking on your door and they try to get you into self-pity. They try to get you thinking, well, you know what? You're a good little Christian person and you know they're just a mean old devil. Yes, they're I mean, no devil, but you've got a great big God, and that great big God wants you to not yield to that flesh, but yield to the fact that I am going to walk in the law of love. And I'm going to talk about that next week. I know next week's Valentine's Day, and you think, well, that's, you're going to talk about the love between a man and a woman. I'm going to talk about the greatest love there is, the love that God has for you. You want to have a great love between a man and a woman as far as uh, marriage goes? Then you love God first. Hello, ladies. <laughs> if you want a great husband, you do everything you get him to get. You do everything you can to empower him to love God. If he loves God, I promise you, I guarantee you, he will love you better and he will love you best. And in Alabama, we say it like this, he'll love you better and better and gooder and gooder and gooder. You know why? Because he loves the Lord first. You don't, you say, well, listen, he's got some money. He's got a nice car. That don't mean anything, okay? <laughs> I mean, you said those shows. I saw that show the other day. Uh, that one, I forgot what it's called, where they had these guys pull up. This is, you know, you know I'm diverting real quickly here, but it was so silly and so just, just foolishness. They were talking about how women were drawn to guys with real nice cars. And, uh, you know, and, and they thought that they had money, but it was all fake. And I'm thinking, wow, those women need what I know as far as the Word of God. Because when you're looking after a man for that, that that's not going to, that comes and goes. A man that has a heart after God and a man will treat you in the love of God, that's a man, I tell you, well, that's a man worth loving. Anyway, I'm, hey, the men ought to be giving me something after the service today, okay? <laughs> so, and the ladies too, as far as appreciation. Because when you walk in this kind of divine love, when you walk in this place, of the love of God flows out of you instead of letting your flesh dominate you and you're kind and gentle. I, I love, we have dinner with the Andersons on Friday nights and I love to watch Mr. and Ms. Anderson, uh, you know, respond 
respond and react to each other. But he is always constantly kind to her. He loves her and she loves him. Oh, they have differences? Of course they have differences of opinion, differences of ways of looking things. What couple does not? I don't want Sheila to be like me, and I definitely want her opinion on things that's different from mine. I called her yesterday. I love this pair of shoes. I was getting ready to buy it. I texted her the shoes, and she said, no, I'll look for some shoes somewhere else. I was like, really? I'm sitting there wearing these shoes in the store thinking I'm about to buy these shoes. They look good on me. They feel good, man. They're comfortable. Oh my gosh. And she wanted me to buy shoes without shoestrings on. I'm like, I can't do that. Sheila's all weird to me with no shoestrings on. (laughs) He said, Pastor Brian, you're too far from the South. That's probably right. Anyway, but you know, at the point I was like, okay, all right. I'm not going to buy. Even though they're on sale, I've got a discount. I could probably get them for about $25, half the price I'm getting now. But you know what? I'm trusting her opinion. And sure enough, when I got home, I got to think, I looked in my closet. You know what? I've got a pair of shoes that's very similar to that. She was right and I was wrong. And that's the way I looked at it. Instead of competing and conflicting, because you know what most people would have done? What would they have done in the world? They went and bought the shoes themselves, Right? I don't care what they say. I love my parents. I know my mother's watching. I love them dearly. But they never committed adultery, never all those kind of things. And I mean, there's nothing, you know, people fall, people stumble. And I understand all that. But my parents, that was never an issue. And I'm thankful. And uh, money was an issue. But other things weren't an issue. They took care of us as children. But one of the things is they were completely and still out of control when it comes to firing shots across the bow. Every single day I call them, one, it's like two children fighting with each other. They're in their 80s, okay? And I'm like, seriously, I told her yesterday, I said, Mother, I guess we're going to have to go back to kindergarten between you and your five-year-old husband and you acting like a seven-year-old little girl at kindergarten. Seriously, Mother? Seriously? Of course, it started with him. He was at fault. But my point with all this, this firing back across the bow and shooting down one another. And guess where it all starts? With words. And when you get a control of your words, and, say, and again, I love you, mother. You know I do. And daddy's not watching, but you are when, when you watch later on, if you're not watching right now. The fact is, when you get to this place, when you're walking in the spirit instead of the flesh, when you're yielding not to the flesh, but to the spirit, and I have to help her practice these things because my dad is a, you know, he's a grizzly bear right now at life. And so we're dealing with that. I know you ladies, you better be thankful you don't have a grizzly bear as a husband because a grizzly bear as a husband is, is a hard thing to have because all they're doing is growling because they're, they're frustrated. They're aggravated because their spirit man is not in control. Their flesh is, but notice what it says for the verse two of Romans chapter eight, for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ makes me free from the laws of sin and death, from this law of sin. I'm free from it. Hey, look at Romans 12, 1. We're going to close with this. And, and again, this is just a subject that continues on. Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Everybody say the mercy of God. That you present your body a living sacrifice, not to death, but a gift to God, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Notice what you're doing. You're presenting yourself to God. I do this every single day. And here's the key. Notice what it says in verse number two. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. 
Transform how? By just doing good? No, it's not about doing, it's about being. It says transform by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good and acceptable will of God. Notice what it says, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. One of the things that I practice, that I did learn from my parents is, I made the decision at 19 years old, I wasn't going to act like my dad. I wasn't going to, you know, be into the place where I, you know, again, the power of words. My dad's a good moral man. He helped us start this church. He's a loving man in that respect. And if I asked him for something, he'd do it. I mean, all those characteristics. And I learned a lot of great things from him, especially the, the art of learning about history and how history teaches us lessons. And the, but at the same time, the words coming out of his mouth so shaped me to the point that immediately after I was born again, I knew, Donald, if I was going to control my body, I was going to have to do it with my mouth. And I'm not talking about what you eat, okay? Even though that's important. I'm talking about with the words of your mouth. And from that moment forward, as a young 19-year-old man, ladies and gentlemen, I began to, and I, to this day, early this morning, and every day, everybody say every day, every single day, I say certain things over my life and body. I mean a list of things. I mean, I'm not talking about in two, two minutes. I'm talking about a list of things that I speak over my body. I come against worry. I come against fear. I speak health. I speak wisdom. I speak the spiritual forces of God to operate in my life every single day. I never take a day for granted. It's a practice every day because I want to be stronger here than here. And it just takes a discipline. It takes a determination. And it takes a word of consistency. Hebrews 13.8 says the greatest thing about Jesus that I obtained to as far as my walk with the Lord. It says Hebrews 13.8 said he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brian Jacobs purposes to be consistently consistent in these areas. If I want to be the man that Sheila needs for me to be, my time, my personal walk with God is what's going to be the success of that. Not what we do financially. And by the way, working is important, and we have men in our church that work hard and, and do the things they need to do, and I appreciate that about you men. I respect every single one of you, from Reuben here who gives 100% all the way to Donald over here and all in between and those watching. Uh, we don't really have lazy men. Of course, uh, probably my, our church board and our leadership team wouldn't let you be lazy around here because, hey, guys, you got to work, okay? You need to take care of your wife, and you said, well, she's not taking care of me. You take care of things, and things will work out, okay? But my point with all that is, is if I can get you strong, if I can get you healthy spiritually by being consistent, by being diligent with these things, and really, you know, just focusing in on the power of who you are in Jesus Christ, even if it's just saying things every single day and speaking God's word over you, it changes things. I mean, again, we're not talking about you spending five hours in the Lord and coming up to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and getting a degree in theology. I'm talking about you taking the Bible every morning instead of reading the newspaper and read it. I'm saying instead of going to work and reading, you know, and hearing the, all the things about the world, and hey, won't you take a moment to let somebody preach faith to you? And as far as the greatest gift there is that Dave Nillette and I have talked about and preached about and will preach about, the gift of the Holy Spirit, praying in that supernatural language when you don't know how to pray 
Oh my gosh, this is what we want to help you do. Walking in the strength of that will give you the power, by say the power, to subdue the flesh. And you're not just yielding to, you know, well, I'm, 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 not, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm fighting this battle. We've got Christians, and I've got to close with this. We've got Christians that are in denominational churches right now that do not practice the presence of power of God, but they're yielding to sin. They're yielding to the, you know, and, and, and by the way, listen, I don't want the things of this world. I want the things of God because I'm pursuing God. And the more I pursue him, the more the things of the world don't attract me. I'm telling you what, when you get stronger on the inside, these things will not move you. They just will not move you. I'll never forget I was in New York. It was right after I got married. And I was downtown at David Letterman's uh, uh, they were filming for David Letterman's show. And we were right next door. I just happened to be with this pastor friend. And we were eating dinner right down the street. And we just walked up the street to get to our car. Okay, he was parked away from there. And we were at David, we were at David Letterman's. Here's David Letterman's theater. And then here was the, uh, the entrance to the theater. I mean, to the, uh, to the back of back around there were the staff and personnel. Anyway, um, I was walking with this pastor. I'm walking this way. And, and Christy Brinkley, you know, she's a beautiful woman and all that. She came out, came out the door and she came and she met me right at the same time and was walking beside me with two other people. And uh, I mean, she's a very beautiful woman, okay? No denying, denying about that. Strikingly beautiful, okay? But I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to admire you. Because I see you right, I mean, you're in my face there. You're in my personal space because the way it came, it just was one of those intersections for the moment, okay? I'm going to admire you and I respect you and I know who you are. But at the same time, I'm not going to look at you other than in your face. And that's what I did. And so she walked ahead, she walked ahead of me. She walked, and I wanted to look at her, but I just went this way. Because and, and, you know what? I am not... I'm not going to yield to that. You say, Pastor Brian, there's nothing wrong with looking. Most men say, look, don't touch. Well, I don't want to look because I don't want that in my mind. Okay, yes, she is a very attractive woman. Very attractive woman. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and think, well, you know, compare her to Sheila. Like one time I was in a Starbucks in Beverly Hills, California. It was early one morning when I was in my coffee days. <laughs> and I had to have this coffee before I went to church. So I went to a Beverly Hills Starbucks. I mean, early. And guess who was in the line? I mean, it's just me and her. Guess who was in the line with me? Uh, Nicole Kidman. And uh, she was wearing completely solid white clothes. And I'm thinking, wow. And this scarf... She had this scarf around her and this little hat, but, but she took the scarf and the hat off because she was drinking her coffee or whatever, or whatever she was getting. And she turned around and she's, you know, she's looking at me and looking, and she's expecting me to engage with her. And I just didn't go there. I just was focused on my, you know, who I am. And so she went outside. I got in my used car that I got from the airport. She got in a gold, she got in a white Jaguar with gold trim, Amy. That's an expensive car, is it not? I'm in my little rental, rent, rental Hyundai or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, my little coffee. And I'm thinking, wow. And I'm, I'm saying, well, you know what, Lord? What about her versus me? You know, look at her in this car, and here I am. She's dating Tom Cruise. She got all this money, and here I am. I haven't broke $100,000 yet in income, and she's probably made that in this past week in one day. 
then all of a sudden, she's sitting there. I'm looking through my notes. I just wanted some private time because I was supposed to meet the pastor in about 30 minutes. I just wanted some time by myself. And I'm like, of all things, she is sitting right next to me and she is not moving in her car. I'm like, my gosh, I just want five minutes by myself. Please leave me alone. Then all of a sudden, I'm just doing my notes and she's drinking her coffee and whatever. And by the way, this is before cell phones. Guess what kind of, she had a car in her phone. You know, she's all talking on the phone, you know, when those phone cards, you know. And I'm thinking, whatever. Here I had a beeper. <laughs> so I like pull my beeper out and go, hey, look at my beeper here. How you like that? Anyway, and some of y'all laugh. Some of you that are 19 and below, you don't even know what a beeper is, okay? What's a beeper, Pastor Brian? I don't know. I got to have it all on, you know, I got to have an iPad. Anyway. <laughs> Difference in generations, by the way. But anyway, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, it just dawned on me. I looked over at her. I thought, I guess I'm going to have to drive to another parking lot because I really want to study this. I really want to get it in my... Plus, I wanted to pray out loud, okay? And she's in her Jaguar with her top down, and I'm in my, you know, smart car, whatever it is. You know, those little bitty cars, and I'm half the size of her car. And uh, anyway, um, and all of a sudden... I just, I was, I was real frustrated and I, I had the doors unlocked. And so I just did my fist like that and I hit the window thing and it rolled the window down. Oh my God. She's right there. I said, Hey, good to see you. She said, good to see you too. I said, well, you have a nice day. You too. And I, I rolled the window up and then I looked over at one more time and I thought, man, look at all those bags under her eyes. Look at the wear on her face. Wow. And I drove off and I thought, I looked at my face. I thought, well, no, mine's pretty good. You know, <laughs> I'm not wearing any makeup either. And the Lord really dealt with me. Look at this sin that's weighing on her. And the whole, guess what happened the next week? It all blew up with her and Tom Cruise. I mean, it just blew up. She was all in the news. I mean, uh, you know, it just was, her life was caving apart. And there I was, all comparing myself to her because of a car and because of money. And yet, when I left there, that service was one of the greatest services I've ever had in the state of California. I'm talking about the power and the presence of God was so manifesting, William, that it, it, I just felt like I was about to walk into heaven. I mean, God invaded that service. And Dave knows what that presence is all about. Dave, is it priceless? It's priceless, man. Nothing can compare to it, can it, Dave? When you touch God's presence and he comes in. I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, investing on this inside will pay dividends. And listen, there's nothing wrong with having a car like that. There is nothing wrong with making money like that, is it, Dave? I, 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 mean, I respect her income. I salute her. You know, whatever. You know, praise the Lord if... You know, honor God with it, but you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not against that's the American dream, okay? But I'm telling you what, the peace of God, I'll leave you with this. The peace of God in God's presence, this is what my mama used to say. She said it's priceless. It can't be bought, it can only be received. I want to pray with you about that today. Let that be the most important part of your life. You know, these things will come against you, but that peace of God. And by the way, I have a word for some of you. Some of you just need to sort of step back and do what I did that day. Let that peace come over you. Quit looking at the world. I mean, did, how did I know 
that on a Sunday, I'm having this, this is where she is, and on Tuesday, her life was about to explode in the newspapers. It's bad, William, is it not? A divorce and all that. And guess who what? My friend, Jock Smith, who's in the Lord now, he's the one, his law firm did their divorce. He said that's the messiest thing he'd ever been a part of. He said, money was not the issue. He said, but I felt like a referee trying to get those two and their teams to negotiate things out. He said, it was horrible, Brian. He said, as a matter of fact, I came to the point where I left the conference because I had enough of the strife. It was weighing down on me. And it wasn't about money. It was all about pride and ego. And two people just... And, you know, again, they, in Hollywood, they had those moments. Life has those moments. But I'm telling you what, this peace is worth, worth pursuing. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're the Prince of Peace. Thank you so much for what you taught me. Lord, I didn't even remember that story. It's basically 20 years ago until now. But I want to thank you on that Sunday morning. You met me, and I'm asking you on this Sunday morning to meet me again not that you never leave me nor forsake me, but to meet us with your presence. I pray for every person watching, every person in this auditorium. Lord, money and, and, and our job status and, and all the things that we need are very important. We want to honor you with all those things. But controlling our inward person and yielding that person to you and winning the battles of life is victory that's greater than any Super Bowl or any... Academy Award or any kind of amount of money. And so I'm praying for these precious people, Lord, right now, whether it's their marriage, their job, their bodies, whatever it is, to have your peace, your power, your presence dominate over those issues. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just come to you. We believe you right now. Let's say it together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much that the law of the Spirit of life in you is greater than any law, any sin of this world. We thank you that the laws of sin and death are defeated in you, Lord Jesus. And right now, we just receive everything we need in every area to be everything you've called us to be. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave's going to come close this service. If I could be of any service to you and help you by prayer of a prayer of agreement, I just want to encourage you. You know, the world has its ways, but God has his way. And his way is the best way, is it not? His way is always the right way. And we're here at Metroplex Family Church to help you with the right way. And we as a family, I want to encourage y'all. You keep on doing what's right. Remember this from a mentor of mine. He said, you keep on doing what's right. You keep doing it right. And I guarantee you, everything's going to turn out right. Isn't that true? Is it right? And for you that works hard and diligent for all of you, I could go over that in this room. How much I appreciate the diligence that's right in this room right here. And to those I know that are watching that can't be. I'm talking about very diligent people. People that don't quit and give up. All the way over here to Donald who drives a truck and drives it faithfully to support his family. Who honors the Lord who constantly gets on Facebook, does his best to cheer people up. He sends some stuff sometimes. I'm like, whatever, Donald. This is funny. I'm like, okay. But at least it's funny, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm laughing at stuff he's posting. You know why? Because he's endeavoring to say, hey, listen, yeah, it's serious in life. But you know what? If you're not laughing, you're way too serious. 
And I appreciate that about him. I appreciate William, your diligence. By the way, I'm preaching out of your Bible. You gave Sheila today. You gave Sheila a Bible. You didn't give me one. <laughs> no, I was kidding. I was kidding. I'm just kidding, William. Anyway, it's all feminine anyway, so I, I can't use it anyway. Seriously, it's purple. I, I mean, purple Bible's okay. All right, anyway, praise the Lord. Moving around. But my point with all this is that, you know what? Thank God for the gifts in this room. Just like Candy Anderson's here today, a sweet friend of ours back for Grace Temple. I met, I saw her at the mall. I was up at the mall, Brandon and I, you know, I was up there at the mall walking in Christmas season and, you know, all that doing my little thing, walking up down the steps. And, and of course, I like seeing Santa down there. I mean, he's awesome, man. The Santa down there at that particular healing mall, he's a really friendly dude, okay? He did social distancing, but he, he was awesome, okay? And I like to be like Sam, except I don't want to be fat, okay? Anyway, and I don't like wearing red all the time. But my point with all that is I went to the mall and I went and saw her, and of course, Terry. And one of the things she, she said, listen, don't you ever, ever be without when it comes to perfume or cologne. I will always make sure that you smell good. And she came here today bringing abundant gifts of smelling good. So thank you. But my point with all that, this, this is a treasure. And every time I go into my closet and get my quote unquote uh, Ben over there, he used to call it smell good. That's, he said, Daddy, I want some smell good. <laughs> That's what he used to call cologne, smell good. Every time I go in there, I get my smell good stuff on. I think of her and I'm thinking, you know, that's just a simple gift. But that act of kindness goes a long way. Because most people get in my automobile or most people get around me, especially this is before social distancing, and I still practice this anyway. They would always tell me, Pastor Brian, you smell good. And I'm thinking, I can tell you where it came from. Or, you know, I go up there and buy their products too. I mean, listen, they're great products, regardless whether you get them for free or not. My point with all that is you appreciate the kindness of people. And I just want to encourage you to continue doing that. You say, Pastor Brian, I got to work at being kind. You keep sowing that. I promise you, you're going to reap that. And your days of 2021 will be better, not because of the White House and not because of politics and not because of football or not because of how much money you had or whatever. It's because you got this peace of God. You just know that you're doing the right thing. Even if you go to work and all hell's breaking out and they're mean as they can be and the women are like, I mean, they're just fussing and fighting, you're just holding your peace. Like Misty at work there at the United States Post Office. Can you imagine working at the counter of a post office? Oh my God. Thank you, Jesus. There's two things I would never do, Dave. Work at a post office and be a dentist. I'm just draw the line. I am not going to do those two jobs. If God called me to be a dentist, oh gross. I go twice a year and that's enough for me, okay? No, I like the dentist, but I'm seriously, when you got that grace for the place, I go to a dentist and he loves the Lord. He's all happy. And he told me the other day, he said, listen, Brian, I just want to do two things. I want you to have a happy smile. And when you pray for people, your breath smells good. And I think, man, you're a man after my own. What an awesome attitude, okay? And my point with all this is find your place, find your power, and find his presence, and you'll never be a failure in life.